Welcome to Sundial Now on WLRN. I'm Leslie Ovalle Atkinson. Hurricane Ian was downgraded to a tropical storm today as it slowly exits Florida, heading into the Atlantic Ocean. And as we cover this destructive storm, memories of another similar one have come to mind. Meteorologists and longtime Florida residents are comparing Ian to Hurricane Charlie in 2004, which caused havoc in Cuba and West and Central Florida. Their paths are strikingly similar, almost identical, really. And I spoke with WLRN's America's editor, Tim Pageant. He started by telling me about his coverage of Hurricane Charlie back then. It was August of, of 2004, and I remember that it was just a few days before school was going to start that year because my young daughter, she was seven years old at the time, we had a tradition every August before she went back to school, she and I would have tea. Uh, at the Biltmore Hotel. And I remember I got the call for my editors. I was working for Time Magazine at the time. I was the bureau chief here in Miami. I got the call for my editors while I was having tea with my daughter that I needed to uh, get out on the road and follow Hurricane Charlie, which had just come barreling through the Gulf Coast of Florida and was starting to move up the peninsula and they needed me to follow it because it was headed for Orlando. And if it hit Orlando uh, with the kind of strength, category four strength that, that it hit um, the uh, the Gulf Coast with, uh, that could be catastrophic. So I, I, I had to leave my very nice tea with my, with my young daughter and, and start chasing Charlie straight up the Florida peninsula. Oh no, I'm sorry to hear that the tea party was cut short. Um, but tell me a little bit about that chase. Where did you go to find the storm? What did you see? So it came in around Port Charlotte on the southwest Florida coast and then took a left or northward turn. And as I said, just, just started heading straight for Orlando. So I started following it uh, in my car up uh, US Route 27 as, as uh, night fell. And all along the way, I could see the damage that it, it was causing as it, as it crawled up the, uh, up the peninsula like a, like a big bowling ball, just you know, using the peninsula as a bowling lane. And when I got up to Orlando, it was obvious that it had caused a lot of damage up there and all the power was out. But the interesting thing, and, and this, is, um, this is, is, was sort of, I think, one of the biggest lessons learned from Charlie was that so many people had originally thought that Charlie was going to hit Tampa, a little farther north up the coast. And so all these people from Tampa evacuated to Orlando, only to find out that the hurricane was now going to hit Orlando instead of Tampa. And I think that was a big lesson that, that Floridians learned in terms of how to be smarter about evacuation. We learned that on, on the Florida Peninsula, it's very hard to, to make an evacuation that escapes a hurricane because so often hurricanes uh, just sort of pinball around the peninsula. And we learned that same lesson, as you'll remember, five years ago during Irma, when so many Miamians thought that this hurricane was going to hit here. And so they evacuated over to Naples, only to discover a few days later that it had diverted course and was going to hit Naples. And so all those people who had evacuated from Miami found themselves trapped in Naples uh, facing a Category 3 hurricane when perhaps they should have stayed on this side of the peninsula. I was one of those people. We evacuated a Palm Bay and then everything was just so uncertain and we were almost going to keep going and head back to Naples. It was sort of like 
or like wherever you go, we stayed put in Palm Bay and we were fine, but definitely a lesson learned on being forward thinking when you're evacuating. I think Florida emergency officials have, have done a lot of thinking, especially since Irma, about how to better coordinate evacuation on this particular peninsula, when, especially when the track of a hurricane like Irma or Charlie back then in 2004 uh, looks so uncertain. Yeah. Right. And going back to the paths, so that's where a lot of the comparisons have been between Hurricane Charlie and Hurricane Ian. Um, tell me a little bit about how these paths are so parallel. If you look at their tracks, they are astonishingly parallel. Hurricane Charlie back in 2004 started in that same pocket of, of the lower Caribbean Sea that Ian started in uh, a week or so ago, and then snaked its way uh, west through the Southern Caribbean and then up straight up north into the Western part of Cuba. Ian made landfall uh, earlier this week, pretty much at the same place where Charlie made landfall in Cuba in, in 2004. Charlie also was category three when it came through Cuba, uh, and it did uh, quite a bit of damage there. It uh, did almost $1 billion damage before it then uh, left Cuba and took this very same path that Ian has taken to the southwest uh, coast of Florida. And Charlie in 2004 then ended up killing 10 people in Florida and doing $17 billion worth of damage in the state. And the comparison between the two almost ends with their size and then Ian moving so much slower. What have we seen already on the effect that's having on the destruction that it's leaving behind? Yeah, that, that, that's a good point because I think one of the big differences, despite their, their, their parallel paths, one of the big differences is that the climate change we've experienced in the past uh, 18 years since Hurricane Charlie has accelerated significantly, as you know. One of the biggest factors being the Gulf of Mexico waters are so much warmer than they were 18 years ago. And that has given Ian, I think, a lot more energy and a lot more water, precipitation, rain, surge. Uh, than, than Charlie had. Charlie has been described as more of, of a wind event. And, and there was a lot of wind damage that Charlie caused. I think, uh, obviously, Ian is being looked at as more of a storm surge damage storm, simply because, as I pointed out, with climate change and global warming, hurricanes seem to be holding so much more water and rain and seem to be uh, causing so much more storm surge and flooding than perhaps hurricanes, you know, two decades ago were seen to cause. And I think that's what we're going to see in the aftermath of Ian in Florida. And, and it's also what we saw in the aftermath of Ian in Cuba. I mean, some, some of the most uh, uh, remarkable photos on social media that we've been seeing from Cuba after Ian are people walking around their homes in, in water up to their waists. You've been reporting on just that, what's going on in Cuba after Hurricane Ian. What do you foresee as far as recovery efforts after this hurricane, given already the economic crisis? And we've just been seeing more and more Cubans flee the island and make it here recently. Yeah, I, I think this is, this is only going to add to Cuba's uh, economic troubles. And as you point out, those economic troubles, plus the communist regime's ramped up repression in the past year or so, uh, has, has sent a record number of Cubans, uh, Cuban migrants to the U.S. border in the, in the past year. I think what we saw uh, after, uh, with Hurricane Ian in Cuba is, is a reminder of just how fragile and dilapidated Cuba's electrical grid is. 
in the immediate aftermath of the hurricane, we thought that the power outages would be just confined to the western part of Cuba where the hurricane hit. And indeed, about 1 million people, maybe more than a million people were without power in the immediate aftermath. But then the morning after, we realized that the hurricane had actually affected the entire grid across the entire island. So it left blackouts across the entire island, which is was, was definitely not expected. But then again, not surprising when we realized that uh, large power outages have become the norm. As you pointed out, this is only going to exacerbate Cuba's economic woes and probably just do more uh, to, to push more Cuban migrants out of the country and, and to the U.S. That was WLRN's America's editor, Tim Padgett. You can find more of our latest storm coverage on our social media at WLRN Sundial. And that's Sundial now for Thursday, September 29th. I'm Leslie Ovalle Atkinson. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you next time. The program is made possible in part by support from Miami Cancer Institute.